What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Cinema, where our motto is, we just hope it doesn't suck. This is 288B. Thank you. Where we will now discuss our thoughts on The Sea Beast from Netflix. With you for that discussion, just Grayson and Chris. Roger is on vacation. No one knows where. He's sailing around the world in a balloon. That's what I like to think of anyway. I mean, he's kind of sailing, if you want to get technical about it. He's... (laughs) And, and he will chalk it up as sailing, at least floating. For the episode discussing where the crawdads sing, including the whole box office breakdown, what streaming trailer talk, check out episode 288A, posted on Tuesday, 726. Well, all right, Chris, we watched another movie for this week. And I got to tell you, I'm pretty impressed by the Sea Beast. I, I, I think we're both going to be positive on it. We worry that Sylvia has its ups <laughs> and downs, but right. it's. It's, it's I had a good time with this movie. I did. I did as well. But let's get into it. So the tomato meter, and this is a rarity here, 94, and the audience score is just 87. I say just 87 because usually those, not only are usually are those two score, well, the higher one's usually the audience. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're usually transposed, right? They are. And what I like to point out here is that the tomato meter, the so it's got a higher score by the critics than it does the audience score, which doesn't always happen. But I also think my own personal thing is I think the audience score is a tad low for this, maybe a couple of points. You may be in the other direction. It sounds like you might be on the other direction of that, but um, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it. No big deal. All right. Well, let's see. Let's get some, let's get some particulars out of the way, mm-hmm. shall we? Uh, I just closed that window. Of course you did. Fill time. I mean, Go. I'll fill time best I can. I mean, so the, <laughs> our audience score is 94, and uh, the, I mean, it's 87 while the tomato meter is 94. This thing has 100 uh, critic reviews and 250 plus audience score. That's actually a good bit for a Netflix movie. They usually don't have like that many. So I think this thing definitely word of mouth a little bit. You know, I think a few people saw this and then they've said, hey, you should probably watch Sea Beast and give it a, give it a review. It's worth watching. I think that's well, why this got the numbers it does already for a Netflix movie on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I, I think so. And it, it came out, so we're a tad late. It was July 8th, but, you know, we're in mm-hmm. the same month, so that's fine. But it also, one of the things on the poster is um, it's uh, the same guy who did Moana and Big Hero 6. Those are yep. two that are generally liked a lot. Oh, yeah. Especially oh, yeah, especially Big Hero 6. I don't ever, I don't hear people saying bad things about Big Big Hero 6 ever. No, you know, I mean, that's, I like, that's a pretty I like big, big Hero favorite. 6. I like Big Hero Six, and I I really like Moana. Both both are great. I think yeah, those are two big fan favorites. Mm-hmm. And I got to be honest with our first Carl Urban as the voice of Jacob Holland. I'll be honest, I didn't think Carl Urban was going to be able to do it, but I think fine, he, right. <laughs> I think he not only did fine, I think he nailed it. I think so too. Yeah. I, now, as soon as I figured out that that's who he was in the movie, I could un I couldn't unsee him as. You know, as our our beloved lead from the boys, but <laughs> which really made it weird uh, for a little bit there. But I mean, he he does a great job. Or bones from uh, Star Trek. I've never seen seen it, so I don't know. You should, you should you should watch the Chris Pine ones. Those are actually those are actually pretty good as a franchise. Uh, they're very strong, and there's now a confirmed fourth one coming. Yep. So. That shows you how much people really don't like the TV because they didn't want more of the TV. They wanted the JJ films. So it's, nah, it's yeah, yeah. kind of interesting. 
uh, Zara's Angel Hatter as Maisie, who also does an exceptional job. Yes. My goodness, she kills it. Jared Harris, Captain Crow, Marianne mm-hmm. Jean-Baptiste as Sarah Sharp, the first mate, Dan Stevens as Admiral Hornigold, Kathy Burke as Gwen Butter, uh, sorry, Batterby, uh, Jim Carter as the King, directed by Chris Williams. Uh, this is a Netflix original that I think really fucking nails it and with the especially with the help of the composer mark mencina i think he does there's so much in this movie to like um i I don't often gush over these animated movies but the last one i mean i got really strong vibes um such as how to train your dragon i'm a huge i had i had how to train your dragon how to train your dragon vibes out of the way that the sea beasts looked right Definitely. Animation. I mean, the way, the, just, the, the, the way their eyes move, the way their eyes even look, very, it very gives you a huge, very, 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 very cat like. Yes. Which, yep. You know, cats are the model of the dragons and how to train your dragon. So, of course, mm-hmm. I mean, they definitely took a page from the what what studio did um, that? For some reason, I'm blanking on that. The how to train your dragon. Yeah. DreamWorks. Dream, yeah, Dream, DreamWorks. Yeah, DreamWorks did that. They definitely took it took took a page out of the DreamWorks book, which isn't bad. I mean, this. I mean, we've watched a lot of turds on Netflix lately. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, you know, with the exception of a few, but I mean, lately for Netflix, it has not been strong. But this one, I'm, 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 I'm very happy to say, is a very good contender for, you know, a reason to have Netflix. We don't have it many is. of those lately. It is, and and this, I would bet this movie did not take much to make. There's not a lot of, there's not an actual lot of voice actors in this movie to begin with. Besides the animation, like the cost that goes in that kind of production, voice actor wise, you don't got a lot here on cast for billing. Well, Carl Urban, while not cheap, he's certainly not. He's not an A lister. He's not super expensive. Well, okay, I get that, but still, I mean, a lot of your a lot of your animated movies have a you know four, five, six, oh, yeah. seven bigger actors in them. They at want, least known voices. Of course, I mean Carl Urban's a known voice. Jared Harris, at least to me, is a known voice for watching yeah. all these movies. Mm-hmm. Dan Stevens, uh, Kathy Burke, um, Jim Carter. I, I, I don't know if I could pick them out of a lineup, but it, once I knew it was them, I could definitely yeah. hear them in it. Yep. So, so where do, where do, where do we start with Sea Beast? Um, so, I actually really loved how it started with a book being read to kids, a story, mm-hmm. almost like yep. a myth, you know. Which which is the, kind of the same way that you know, Moana starts. Uh, it well, starts I mean, out. With, with the grandma g- g- giving the tale, right? Yes, thank you. I was going to point that out. I was a big mm-hmm. fan of that. Yeah, another same. movie, I think it's important to note, another, another movie that I think I, I got strong vibes from, only because I've seen it so many times I know it exists, and it's the same, it's the same concept, is In the Heart of the Sea with Chris Hemsworth, um, a couple other people, but he's out. Um, a very young writer is writing, is, is a very young writer whose name you don't learn till the end because if it, if you learn the person's if you learn the character name of Herman Melville before the end, you'd know exactly what adventure you were getting into. And that's part of the hit, the, the mystery, you know, Herman mm-hmm. Melville wrote, of course, Moby Dick, yep. which is one of the most famous pieces of literature ever to oh, be put yeah. on paper, which this um, feels like a Moby Dick movie too, at some point. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it has yeah. that vibe and that feel of in the heart of the sea with, I mean, it doesn't, the, the, the Hemsworth character doesn't come around and, and not and stop hunting whales, but he sees the greater truth in the loss and in, in the hunt and the loss of it, of losing his comrade, losing a ship. And there, there is some of those elements here too. Well, I got a lot of those vibes in this, but um, I mean, obviously you, you, you watch a movie like this, especially post, you know, 
post 2017, you can't not think about Pirates of the Caribbean. Also. No, um, there, there's actually some imagery in here that I think is pretty close to it, whether it be on the ship or on the island that they actually get stuck on for a little bit too. They come running out out of the um, they come running out of the uh, the wilderness after they step on all the eggs. Oh right, and that's that's straight out of the second Pirates film. Yeah, it feels yeah. straight out of that, right? Which I kind of chuckled thinking about it too, and it, it was fine. It worked. When and there's a well, I'm going to skip ahead just for one second though. Yeah. Is when the little girl Maisie stows away onto the ship, um, the inevitable, yeah. mm-hmm. which great name by the way, the the inevitable. Yeah, no, I like um, it. She stows away, and um, the captain kind of takes to her because you know he says he's full of she's full of vinegar. I mean, it's mm-hmm. I think the only reason we 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 don't get the full phrase of piss and vinegar is because it's made for kids on netflix however they uh, use the word ass and hell and damn a few times in this they they do and she says them she says hell at least hell she says i don't know about ass and damn but Mm -hmm. um one thing i did almost i almost got the barbosa you know here there be monsters when she when he when he said it to Mm -hmm. uh kira's character kira knightley's character yeah um elizabeth is when uh, carl urban's character what's his name jacob jacob Mm -hmm puts her down and below deck and, and he puts her down and you know, he kind of, he, he goes, you're on adventure now. And I wanted him to say here, there be monsters. <laughs> I was, almost, I, I was waiting for it. Like in two seconds, I was waiting for that line to come and it just never did. Unfortunately, they but, probably wanted to, but they also didn't want to get sued very hard. So they I mean, probably kind of stayed away from it. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I mean, after, after stealing, you know, the visual stuff, I mean, I think there's something, if DreamWorks wanted to sue them for the visual style of their of their of the monsters, I'm sure they'd have a case. It's just, they just look so similar to the dragons. I mean, it oh, would go to court at least. You know what I mean? Like it, it would go to court. I don't know if they'd win, but yeah, it would definitely get some attention. I do like, however, so let's tell everybody what this movie is about real quick before we dig into the things we like and don't like. I guess. Please do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'll start and fill in the blanks where I miss him because I'm I'm not as apt as Roger is at this. This is this is one of the few times I miss Roger is for these uh these movie synopsises. So I would argue this movie is two movies in one almost because this movie has two very different feels for the first hour and the second hour I think. But we start off with you know uh, we see the captain and the crew and our our ship the inevitable and they're out to sea and they're hunt and they're hunting something and you know it with the way that you know the dialogue goes and in, and right when they're about to begin what feels like you know what they're out here to do they get sidetracked and they have to save another ship at sea because of a because of a, a ship a sea monster hunter's code or something like that it pulls them off they don't get to do it they save the other ship they bag a monster but not the one they're looking for and they end up back. So they celebrate, and that's when we run back into um, what's her name? Her name is Maisie. We run into Maisie again. Little she, girl, uh, Maisie. yep, she sees everybody as they're celebrating in a, in a nearby pub. She ends up, you know, she's a big fan. She's she's followed the hunters her, uh, her whole life because her parents were them, and they died they died at sea. And eventually, they end up back on back on the sea hunting hunting down. What do they call it? The um. The bluster, the red bluster, is who they the call red, her. The red, the red bluster, yeah. Yeah. So they're they're out hunting again, and they end up. Maisie ends up on the ship. She stows away. So things ensue. They they begin to their bout with the red bluster, and it doesn't quite go as they planned, but as you know, we thought it would go most likely. And some things happen. Maisie screws some things up, um, and Jacob doesn't stop her from doing so. 
and our sea beast swallows our two characters and they wake up on and they wake up eventually within the beast and then on an island eventually they get they, uh, they they get pinocchioed they do they do get pinocchioed except it's on a blowhole though <laughs> that they exit it's 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 the nose hole and um they end up while they're on this island that has has more of these beasts uh large and small they end up kind of learning about them a little bit interacting with them and end up eventually bonding with the red bluster our sea beast and they well that, that that's the story is then of yeah, course yeah. you um they become they they start to understand why they they shouldn't be doing what they're doing yeah well she does the Maisie does first and it takes it takes Jacob a while to catch up but he starts to get it through seeing the interaction between Maisie and Bluster well and let, 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 let me ask you this and let me let me ask you this real quick before we go any further is yeah. which one of these characters is the main protagonist yes it's a good question isn't it <laughs> i mean I, I think they both are I, I think, think you both. could make an argument. I think there's an argument for both of them to be the main protagonist. Although, I mean, I th- it's clear that she it's is. Maisie. Because, it's Maisie. Well, right? she's so. she's she's the one telling the story, narrating parts of the story. So, but in most movies, traditionally, your protagonist is the one that has a, a ha- that has an arc and you know has a transformation. Which Jacob is the character that has that though. So it's it's kind of you can argue both you know one or the other or both I think in this situation I think Maisie is more the main character because she is the one that is that is responsible for changing the mindsets of those around her. Well, but she all but she Maisie doesn't really have much of an arc though. She doesn't. That's kind of my point. Where Jacob has the arc, but Maisie is the one enacting all the change. She's the catalyst for all the change. You, you know, because I, I was realizing that there wasn't much of an arc. I thought the the conclusion of her arc was going to be through Captain Crow. I thought, oh, this could be interesting. And then they just – I was disappointed with where they didn't go with Captain Crow. I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed where they did go with Captain Crow, honestly. Okay, that, I mean – I, I, I think we're saying the same thing. Just in I think we way. are. I, th- I think we are because, uh, as I said a little bit ago, this feels like two movies almost. The first hour of this movie, they they take their time setting this up, and they do a very good job of introducing and and getting you attached to each of the characters, including Captain Crow. I, I think you know he's a very he seems jovial. He seems like he he's he has honor. He t- he takes care of his crew. He loves his ship. All these things that are positive qualities you know, in a character, in a film, or in a book. And then eventually we end up seeing him fall from grace as he takes on the Moby Dick arc, right? So he does fall from that. I think you had a villain in in the, like, the the Navy or whatever the king and queen want to do. You had a perfectly fine setup making them the bad guys in this. I don't know why they didn't just lean hard into that and instead decided to make it to where it was Captain Crow. But at least it was well, a, it was a see, somewhat interesting character transformation. But that's the thing that was like, the villain is kind of a gray area there because they're really, I don't think Captain, I don't think Captain Crow is a villain long enough for him to be called the villain. I agree with that. And I don't think that, I mean, if, 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 if anything, it would be the crown and the Navy. But I mean, they do, I mean, as long as, Captain Crow is the villain. That's when they become not the villain. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, so it's a it's a kind of a weird give and take. It, it's weird because because Captain Crow absolutely does all the villain things, and not because the Navy. The Navy doesn't make him do it. He does all the bad guy stuff, though. He gets he gets caught up in his in his pride. He gets caught up in his, in in 
being vindictive and wanting revenge. He gets caught up in all those negative traits, you know, that you get out, out of out of a villain. And he leans into them in this movie. He ends up making a deal with, you know, with someone he shouldn't, which ended up didn't amount to anything, which I thought was kind of silly to well, have, I mean, it, like, have it explained he, one way. See, but they set Crow up is interesting because he's the one that lost the eye to the to the to the creature. Yes. True. Which is I mean, I think I don't think they did much with there either. It's now, I mean, did I expect the whole hiccup, you know, when he befriends Toothless, he he just like sucks his fear up for a second, puts his arm, puts, puts his hand over his eye and his right hand he puts out and then Toothless kind of leans into it. Did I expect that moment from Captain Crow? Not really. It wasn't no. the that's not really the dynamic of Crow and the Beast. Um, I mean, that 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 silly kind of wanted to see everything work out, did want mm-hmm. to see that. But it's not real. I mean. I, yeah. I understand what I want to see because I'm I I am a romantic and I I am this I am a good guy in my own stories. That's what I want to see, but I don't think that was meant to happen in this movie. I don't think so either. I just I, I think that you know it, talking about like if we wanted to talk about a few negatives of the movie, I think that's one of them in my opinion is the weird direction with Captain Crow and the the lack of follow through on two of the things that they introduced. Like you said, the eye is one of them. And then his um, his deal he makes with uh, Brie, whatever her last name was, the witch, like whatever deal he made where, you know, she takes everything, but nothing happens like in that. So it was just a weird setup without payoff where, again, I think they could have just leaned into the Navy being the right. I, I was I was that was going to be one of my questions is, yeah, what was the what did I don't understand? No, what was I the negative? Know. What was, what I was don't the, know. The, the negative of that of that, you know? Um, covenant. What was the negative Maybe, of that? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out in Sea Beast Two and Sea Beast Three and Sea Beast no, Four. Well, you know what you I mean? But you don't make, <laughs> but you don't make a covenant like that in one movie without. I mean, without, you have to resolve without, it. Without payoff. You have to resolve it in the same movie. You make it. No, I agree. Yeah, like I said, if we are going to have negatives, it's going to be it's going to be a couple of these things that they don't follow through with. I think, and that's one of them because you know while. It's predictable and cliche and, you know, with him going to there to strike the deal and, you know, that costs him everything. It, we don't get it. We don't see what that result is and that it does kind of, eh, okay, whatever. Does it's he one of those his, things. Does he lose his ship? I don't, I can't recall this very moment. Does he, does he lose his ship in this whole ordeal? Yes. Yeah. Everyone, uh, everyone abandons ship. And when, see, when, um, when red leaves, it's not in the, it's not there anymore on screen. So I think it's, I think it's sank where it was parked. Okay. Well, that's a, so, I mean, okay. So we're, I think we have what Jacob and Maisie, I think are the reason this movie works so well. I mean, and, and the, and the weird captain crow is, is he's an interesting kind of X factor mm-hmm. in this whole thing. He, is. he does some pretty predictable things. He allows Maisie to stay on the crew, you know, and he's nice to her. And, you know, he is a man's man. I mean, he's everything yeah. Jacob wants to be, except cool. the fact that, he has such blind rage that he just can't see compassion. Well, again, they do a good job of setting up, of, of making you like all these characters. Because even the crew's likable, all of them. You know, every, everyone on that crew, you don't see them as, you know, you know, oh man, that person's going to be a problem. It's, it, it's, they all get their moment to kind of like, you know, be a good guy. And they do that on purpose. So when, when Captain Crow ends up making that darker turn it's kind of like eh, okay you know i, I just it, it's an interesting build-up for him i think i think him you know being in a gray area the whole time would have been better than the straight villain route especially since they didn't lean in and finish it out like they didn't 
finish out the pact. They didn't finish out the revenge with his eye. They didn't give that character an end. It just kind of, he's just gone, you know, at the end That's, of that I, I, I think they, I think they realized when they were making the movie that it was, they just couldn't afford the time. Maybe yeah, that's true. Cause this movie is two hours long. I mean, well, I mean, it's about an hour and 48 minutes when it's all said mm-hmm. and done, but it, yeah. it is, it's a, I mean, it's got a longer credit sequence. I noticed, but it does, it, it is kind of lengthy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it does. I mean, therein is a problem, but I mean, with the length though, you have a script that's not necessarily PG rated in a way, you know, I mean, like when yeah. I, when I, when I put up my, my air quotes, PG rated, you know, it's like, it's, it's got some deep and some dark themes going on here, which yeah, is what I, I, I respect it a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, cause when you think, I mean, they definitely do a good job of dancing around it without, you know, calling it out, but these people have been straight murdering these sea beasts and they may not have been the bad guys. <laughs> and you have to, and they're coming, and Jacob is one of the people coming to terms with that all while, you know, all while thinking, you know, he's, he's slain many of these creatures five and five and two days. Even I was expecting, by the way, I, I was expecting that not to be true. I <laughs> mean, too. Well, it'd be, it'd be like two and two and four days or something like reverse it. Yeah. Something like that. Well, I mean, if you're going to, I mean, which they were obviously very, I was expecting it because the, the, the whole captain jet, like none of his stories are fucking true. Captain true. Jack Sparrow, like they're all, they, yeah. they all have some weird caveat to them that makes them a whole lot less impressive. Once you learn the reality behind the Jack, the captain Jack stories, mm-hmm. um, you know, all the things that happened before the first movie, you know, I mean, it's just, I, mean, I, I kind of thought that's what Jacob was going to become was just, I, I mean, the story, it, it kind of gets a long winded halfway through when you could, I think there's a point how with this movie, you can cut out 10 minutes and you'd be okay. You could, you could, but at the same time, as like I said, it feels like two movies where there, there's a nice long setup and then there's a cool down period with an event, with an eventual very fast, rapid finish to it. And, very very quick, and I don't understand yeah. why do you go to the island and meet those monsters if all you're gonna do is you're not if you don't go anywhere like that little blue thing never really had much of a much of a role. I blue, mean, blue's yeah. my spirit animal. I well, said that to my wife. Look, we we all love blue. Blue's the best. Well, but, listen, when, when blue's on his back after eating all them fish, <laughs> he's super round, and he like has to like force himself to roll over on his over his bloated belly and wiggle out of the boat. Yeah. Blue's my spirit animal, right? But there. again, I mean, like Blue is ripped straight from How to Train Your Dragons. He's like a combination of two or three of those dragons that are hilarious. I disagree. I think Blue is, uh, I think Blue is pulled out of Moana. I believe Blue is Hey Hey. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, Blue is just very there. Doesn't really do much, but is cute and adorable, and does his thing, and then is off screen, and then comes back a couple times. You know what I mean? That's that exactly makes what sense. Hey hey did. I may not be giving uh, Moana as much credit as I should here. But you're 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 right. That that could definitely be the inspiration mm-hmm. for it. I actually yeah. really loved while we're talking about blue is Maisie's ability to converse and connect with these creatures. I actually really because it's almost like they could understand what she was saying, even though they really couldn't understand anyone else. Like I'm okay with that kind of because it's she's the one telling the story mm-hmm. and she's the child here and she's yeah. the one with the imagination. So mm-hmm. I'm actually so, kind of okay with that. So. E- even though this is a kid's movie and all that, this is the, one of the little pieces that bugs me. They don't follow through with, with like how she's able to kind of com- like communicate with them because, or like what they understand, what they don't, 
because at the very end of the movie, because she has to show them what she means. She, she does a lot of, of like acting out for them and or showing them things and then they get it. Whereas Jacob tries to yell at, uh, yell at red to do something. And you know, red just ignores him. But at the very end of the movie, when they go to leave the kingdom, all Jacob says to red while he's behind red's eyes on, on the back while he's mounted red, all he says is, it's time to go red and red turns around and leaves. So I don't like that. They didn't follow through with like, you know, having to, you know, show or tell the beast the same way to make it happen. But it's a kid's movie. You know, I I can pick at that all. I want. Well, I mean, it is, it doesn't change anything. It is a kid's movie, but I think this, this one, like a couple others, kids movies, like I, I think frozen had a moment where you could have killed the older sister and the, I I talked about it before Mm -hmm. where you could have killed, the older sister by her learning the truth about what happened, it took her life. And, and if, if you read interviews from people that they did, that was intended, but then after they kept looking at it and looking at the studio, it's like, you, because I mean, if you look at, if you, if you watch the movie with the director, I think it's a director commentary. He says, no, yeah. no, no, she died. We fully intended her to die, but we ultimately, no one got it. So we had to kind of tone it back and the studio wasn't really okay with, that notion so she did die and she is dead and she's kind of this other spirit but if you ask 100 kids none of them are going to say yes only the adults are going to say that but there's a point where they could have killed her and then when you know who's the i forget who's the boyfriend of the younger one is what gustav no what's his name hans Hans. now hans was the bad guy from the first one oh yeah yeah, yeah. christoph christoph is the prince and he was going to come down to the beach and talk to anna and realize that and anna was talking to her sister who's who's been whose life has been claimed hmm. and no one can no one else can see her but her and that's what that, of course leading into frozen three going to ah. the going to the afterworld to get back to get her, her sister back and that's the adventure but anyway they, they didn't do that but <laughs> i thought this movie was finally going to have the gall to kill one of the characters i thought it would have been interesting if the final confrontation although they didn't really put her any time to have it is Maisie somehow gave her life to save red or even jacob which would bring, which would bring Crow completely into the redemption fold. No, I think if I think if you lose anybody in your in your kids movie, I think it's going to be the Red, beast. Gi- yeah. Red gives his uh, her life to save Maisie, or or Blue even. Well, no, it'd be Maisie because it would have to be because the war between the humans and the sea beasts would have to be shown that the that the sea beasts have some sort of sentience and humanity within themselves as a sea beast gives it li- its life to save a human child. Well, that's see, how that they, would go. See, that, that, that was, that's the better ending is what happens, of course. I, mean, I, I don't mean, know if that's, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if that's better. I don't want to scar my, my, uh, my seven-year-old child who, lo- who, who loved Red. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, <laughs> but to understand what you're saying, I, just, I don't think that's what we're going to get out of, a, you know, out of a PG Netflix you know, kids movie. And, I, and I'm okay with that because I think – I think this thing did really great. We might see another one of these. I want to see more of this world. I want to see. I want to go back to the island. I want to see a ton of these these creatures. I do too. Like, I, I fact, I'm I'm with you on that one. I'm the fact you. that the fact that Tomatoa's granddad fought, you know, How to Train Your Dragon, you know, version Megazord. That was awesome. I want to see more of that. I want to see more or, of these I mean, giant things going at it. But please, Netflix, for the love of God, don't do what The Incredibles 2 did, pick up 10 seconds later. Let some years go by. Age um, age Maisie a little bit. Age Jacob a little bit. Age Red a little bit. I, I If you're going to do it, do it right. I mean, one thing I, I did want to talk about is 
where do you, Chris, personally see a sequel going? I think that the sequel, if we get one, it ends with um with Jacob and Maisie on their own little little slice of island somewhere, right? So well, I mean, with, they're with sailing away on, but they're sailing away with blue on red. No, no, no. It ends though before the credits. They're on some island, just the three of them. It's blue, Maisie, and Jacob. There, no red's nowhere there. When when the movie when the movie ends, it's just those oh, I three. thought it was. I thought it was. It, it ended right after he threw down the sword and mm-hmm. no. he did. They they were sailing out of the bay. No, it's oh, right okay. up Maybe inside the bay. Okay. Um, Maisie end, uh, end caps it with, with, with the narration, and it's those three on an island somewhere, just and all three of them together. She says, and I have everything I need, and it's, it's her little family. I think movie two, if we get one, has Blue a little bit bigger, you know, coming into Blue's own, maybe maybe getting a little weird with his, with his age, you know what I mean? Maybe it's feeling a little funny, and he's at, and maybe Blue has to go back home. Maybe there's something that, you know, some sort of migration that has to happen for these creatures where they have to go back to a certain place. And, you know, maybe that's what they have to do is they have to they have to get Blue back to the island. And that's how you get to go explore it. And it's all about, you know, finding out what else these creatures go through and seeing more of their world. I'm, I'd be okay with seeing more. I think, you know, but I think Netflix being Netflix and not really having to answer to any, any studio or anything is that's why we got the story that we got where it went, why it, yeah. why it went, where it's why we got the abrupt ending is because they didn't have to answer anyone. They just do what no. they want to do, which is fine. That's true. But I mean, I think a sequel, that's both a positive and a negative too, because I mean, you know, we see it all the time with, you know, movies and video games and, and music and all, all kinds of, of, you know, and entertainment is when you have too loose a leash creatively things things don't always end up where they should okay so i mean i think one of two things happens though with that i think this movie having such a positive success you know i think that that'll either do one or two two things either a it will open up some eyes and put a little bit more um direction into whoever like how are they do this next hey this is really good let's really focus on making this bigger and better next time and maybe it has a little more tighter of control because they have more at stake with the second one, or it does the opposite, and Netflix does what it does, and they go, "Hey, this was good. Make another one. I don't give a shit what you do. Just make it. You know, we we want it by twenty twenty four. Thanks. You know, and then we get another one of, and it's just even more off the rails than the you know than the first one. So it'll be one of those two things. Either we'll get something way better, or we'll get something way worse. I don't think it'll hit the same twice. Uh, I tend to lean if they do it right, it could be better. I, I think the, the I, I, I think the it's a 60 40 split, the 60 being better, 40 being worse. Because okay. I mean, because of the first one, it, this is this is not like a throw, this isn't an, this isn't Animal Crackers, you know, we watched oh, it on Netflix, <laughs> which was a throwaway movie, even with Emily Blunt and John Krasinski in the cast. That's a throwaway movie, 100%. It's a way oh, to yeah. satisfy, it's a way it's to keep people. It was a way to keep animators busy for a while when they didn't have mm-hmm. any form and a way to satisfy contracts. This is not that. This is top tier for Netflix animation. I really hope yeah. they, they do go. But I mean, my point about the 60 being the likely of the better being the sequel being better or just as good is because they put the time and thought and energy into this one. I think they would do the same in the same. I mean, look, the, the guy's filmography, even with just this Big Hero 6 and Moana. That's not a bad filmography. No, no, it's not. That's a pretty good. That's pretty good batting average. <laughs> I'm, yeah, you're, you know, you're stepping up to the plate with you know someone who has the chops to, to mm-hmm. make a damn good animated movie. So I, I say you just like I say you just give him the time and say you know what, we want this by holiday 2024. You just you do it and we'll check in every once in a while and yep, we'll see okay. we'll see where we're at. 
Yeah, I can I see mean, that. But that's what that's what like that's what producers come in handy is they keep people focused, they keep things uh, good producers anyway. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's on projects, especially in film, video games, TV. You know, producers really give the project shape is they keep everything in line and going the way it should go which is can sometimes be a bad thing because the producer you know they're worried about the money so that could be a hindrance but good a good producer knows the difference between saving a few bucks and spending when you need to spend oh yeah you know what else i I, like, I enjoyed in this movie what's that the way red just straight stares down everything that interacts with it well, like red's that a, hard stare, like red's, red's, red, red's an alpha man. Red's an alpha. <laughs> I, I I loved every bit of that. Just like that weird, like that, like that sharp eyed stare down. I thought that was like I don't know. I liked. I think the animation of of what they did to give him personality worked really well, especially with how smooth all these creatures look. Because they red, especially that there's not there's not a blemish on on red. It's very smooth skin, very very aquatic. You know, reminds you of like whales and things like that. So. Well, I I wonder if that's to keep the budget down and like not give. It him could have so been. I was going to say it's less detail. Much detail. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if you think about it, you know, think about you know your shamus, you know your whales and stuff. They're very there's they're very smooth skinned, right? So maybe that's what they were inspired by. I mean that 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 makes sense. That makes mm-hmm. I mean fish in general are very smooth, smooth textured, and they kind of have to be to move through the water the way they do. So yeah, I mean yeah. that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, for at least for a sequel, for for me, I kind of see it going. You know, they have to stop the last of the monster hunters. Like okay. they're trying to put an end to the crown still doing its activity, or maybe I don't know. Like when and if there is an accurate way to pinpoint when in history this is happening, because I mean, you always had the you know you know for a long time you have of course you had the, you had the British Navy, you had the Spanish Navy on on the you know you had all kinds of different countries had navies on the seas doing different things in history and. Depending on where it was, we could pinpoint maybe a better story you can tell. But I don't think yeah. they're worried about pinpointing time in this one. But I think I think the better sequel is that you make the you, you make the hunters the heroes again and you have them almost do the, the how to train your dragon where they're they're siding with the sea beast and they have to stop the navy who's doubled down on eradicating which, them. I mean, which of course you have to bring Crow over to our side. Exactly. You'd you'd, you'd almost have to bring some of those you know, some of those goofy crew members that Crow had, you have to bring them over. You know, I mean, like, you got to yeah. have the returning cast. Of that, yeah, that, I think that, so. That guy whose face was almost all beard. You yeah. Know, <laughs> you you got to have that. I don't know that guy's name, but you got to have that guy. Um, that's just what I'm talking about. But it's, I think, where I think this movie succeeds is they take risk here. They, they make it a little edgier. I think that paid off for them in the end. I mean, they didn't quite go the Toy Story route of making it wholesome, but there are there is risk here, and I and I I, th- I think it pays off for the for the characters for the character development. Even though like they completely don't follow through with some things, I'm not as crazy at holding this against that as I no, should it, be. It, it's it's it, well, it's a it's a good enough movie to where those things don't bury it. You know, where if a movie's already going badly, those things will kill it. Yeah, where this it's like ah, all right, they didn't finish that. You know, but it's still pretty damn cool. You know what I mean? So I, I think I think that's why it's it's a little easier to forgive it. I agree. That's, you know, that's kind of what I was thinking too. It, it, mm-hmm. It's easy to forgive a, a movie that's got a good script and a, you know, the dialogue flows well and you have good, you know, it's easy to forgive a, a better movie than it is a terrible one because then you just go down the terrible, just this, 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 this all sucked. Ha, ha, ha. Hmm. But I agree with that. And I really do hope that if Netflix is trying to establish some, some kind of animation studio, 
they use i mean let's talk about the animation for a second you're usually the guy that put the, you're usually the guy that is either very impressed or eh, not impressed at all when we talk about the animated films we watch so what did you think of the animation of the sea beast I, well, I liked it. Like I said, like like I loved the smoothness of of Red and the way that they they brought Red to life and made Red you know very menacing when they wanted to. But like even even when you know Red's on our side, you know Red's still scary looking, which is really cool. Like it just very, when uh, when Red attacks the Armada ship, what was it called the um the Imperatus? I thought that was a very very just cool scene. The cannons exploding and Red just coming down the mountain with 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 his mouth wide open super like that that would spook the shit out of me if i was a four-year-old watching this movie right you know which is which is what you kind of want you you want it to feel alive and scary at times because you know it is a sea beast i thought the animation was great i love the way they looked i i, I like the smoothness of the animation and water didn't look bad because it's oh it's really easy to screw up water in animation it is that it really that, is. that will make or break your movie and in a movie where you have to be in the goddamn ocean you know, you've got to make sure you get that right. And I think they did. And they had fun with it too. The smoothness of all the monsters worked really well because they just, it, it made them feel almost out of place in their own world. But that's what they're, they're supposed to feel like that because, you know, they don't, you know, we're told they don't belong. They're being hunted where they're more a part of it than what, you know, what we're led to believe in the beginning. I like the animation. I think it's very good. It works here. I, I like it. I thought it was pretty impressive at some points. Like for mm-hmm. instance, when they use a lot of the like when they were using spears, a, yeah. a lot of a lot of those shots were really kind of impressive. Yeah. With those long, you know, halberd like spears. I was really yeah. kind of impressed by that. But I otherwise think... I didn't I, I thought it was kind of if I had to say one thing, like if I had to use one word to sum up what the animation was, kind of bland at times. Bland or plain, and I and, and I would agree with that. But here's the thing. The the monster that had the most detailing was blue. That's true. Blue That's had a variety true. of colors. Blue had a variety of like of different shapes upon blue. Like it was, it, I, I thought that was very interesting. Well, I mean, you spend. I mean, the kids are gonna love blue. Oh yeah. Well, the your daughters love blue. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure your daughters loved all. You know, even red, blue, all the mm-hmm. animals, even yeah. those little yellow, orange things. That oh god, yeah. And that big crab thing. Even I mean, kids like that kind of stuff. They just Tomato's really, granddaddy. Yeah, they just kind of get into it. Um, there's a dog. The dog also likes the the the, the big beasties in this one. Um, I guess one thing we didn't talk about a whole bunch is like this is of course based around like a war between men and monsters, and I also like that that they weren't they didn't shy away from using that term men and monsters. Like I, I kind of you could have you know PG'd that you know brought it down a little bit to like men and creatures or, but I like how they used. You know, I mean, I think they used, you know, they used the word devil and demon and monsters and like that's darker stuff. And I, it, in this particular movie, I think it worked more than it did. Uh, you really give it some kind of adult tone when you do that is it's, you know, it's got the Shrek thing of not everything in this movie is for kids and some of it's for adults. You know, even Maisie, when she's talking to one of the captains or captains, sorry, not one of the captains, Captain Crow. You know, she says the word damn. And, you know, the when she's talking to the first mate, you know, she's very adamant, very forward, you know, very adultish towards these characters. And I, I really like that about Maisie's character. Although Maisie's character, like I said, not as interesting as I wanted her to be. She was, you know, she's plucky. She's stalwart. She is every bit as brave as anyone in this movie. Uh, but her, her character is also kind of on the kind of more boring side of things, I always thought. I don't know. I kind of disagree. I I thought Maisie's character was exactly what she needed to be. 
And like and like uh, Crow says more than once, you know, she's full of vinegar, <laughs> and and she's just, I mean, she's the catalyst to a lot of the change that we go that we see characters go through in the story, and it's because of that that I think it gives that her her character legs to where now when and if we get another one of these, she will she will be you know um, not toothless, but what's his name. Um, Opposite toothless from How Hiccup. Your Dragon. Hiccup. She'll 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 be the hiccup of this of this universe. Well, you she's know? the she's she's the she's a sea monster, you know, whisperer. She talks exactly. Language. Yeah. Yep. So I and, and I think I think that will where she gets way more of her development. We got her backstory, and she was the push for change in this. And I think if there's another one and she's in it again, which she almost has to be, I think we'll get you know way more of her and development for her. Well, see, what I find interesting, as I'm going to talk for a minute here about Maisie, is I think it's interesting because she's the one that's always saying, my books, my books, my books, 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 one, the book, in the book, in the book. And I, I like that kind of aspect of, because, I mean, how many great stories in American literature are complete fantasy, complete, you know, they're not real at all, but they're damn good. Stuff. I mean, Moby Dick, oh, yeah. oh, probably yeah. one of them. I mean, even Beowulf, like there's... Troy, like I mean, I don't want to say all of it's American history, because like, but there's some world literature. Certainly, yeah, you know, some of the greater stories are mythical legends. That like, I mean, archaeologists are starting to prove and disprove, and it's really, really cool. But I wonder if you're gonna do another one of these, or even two more, if it if it was successful enough to do two more, is maybe the older she gets, kind of her character struggle is the older she gets, the less reliant on books she is, and as a result, the less communicative with the beast she is the less imagination she has i think that's an interesting thing to explore you know maybe that could that could be an arc in the second and third movie is you know you have a you have a girl who's starting to just not really she's starting to get more into like family life and boys and things you know myth and adventure and heroes stop being as fun to her as they used to be and i think that would be interesting avenue to explore too and like jacob would have to be that one that brings it back is don't lose that that innocence charm that you had, don't lose it. It's once it's gone, it's gone. Don't lose it. You know, I, I think it'd be an interesting Avenue to follow too. Maybe, but maybe I'm just looking for Academy award winning script here. When it's maybe. not really that. I just see beast, the third wave. Yeah. Something like that. Good luck with that. There's a lot of potential here though. And the in oh, film so. p- potential is good. I mean, it's, it's room to grow and that's important. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, I think Netflix would be silly to let this just die at one movie. I think, I think they have something here. Oh, I agree. And I also just want to talk about my, my favorite, I think, my favorite sequence in this movie. There's a line that, well, I guess there's two because there's a line that Jacob delivers to Captain Crow is right before they start fighting in the end is you can be a hero and still be wrong. Mm-hmm. I thought that was very interesting because it's it kind of took me a minute to like, and it's very like in, in the script, it it, it it punches you in the face. Like they, there's a beat before and a beat after that, that well, line yeah. is, is delivered. Well, Maisie says that to, to Jacob and he says that back to Crow, you know, it full circles with him saying it to Crow. Well, right. I was going to say the maze, but it's in both times, it's in both times. It has great impact on the people. It it's, it's being said to yep. because right after that is we see Crow throw down his sword. Although that's the last we see of Crow. The last mm-hmm. thing we see of Crow isn't even him. It's a sword hit the ground, which is kind of, you know, disappointing, but, and I think one of the other, I think the other great scene is, you know, after they've befriended Red and have been with Red for some time, is the scene you were talking about when Red is on the hillside and then they come across the armada or the the mm-hmm. ship, the 
I forget the ship's name. The uh, the Imperatus. The the Imperatus, and Red starts to go after it, like to kill it, because yeah. he's Red is so used to being pursued and shot at. Mm-hmm. And when Red just blows right through it, and then we see the fireworks on the far side of Captain Crow's coming, but Maisie's hurt. And I love the shot of the sun setting on the hillside. Jacob takes the musket, shoots at Red, who feels it, turns around, and Jacob puts the musket down. And, I mean, it's good enough to connect that the, the, the sea beast for us is good enough to connect that, or at least the storytelling here, the direction here, is he's able to see Jacob as not a threat. But Jacob was just trying to get his, the sea beast's attention to, because Maisie needs help. Yeah. Maisie yep. is hurt. And the only reason these worlds are colliding with such great effect is because of Maisie. Mm-hmm. You know, I, just, I thought that was, you know, great. I really, I really loved that. It was good. I agree. So I mean that's I mean we can move to score this then. I think so. Yeah. Um, I I'll go first. This is okay. Oh, I've been. <laughs> this has been a whirlwind of a day for scoring this in my mind, but this is <laughs> I think every bit as good as a seven. Okay. I really feel comfortable. Yes, Roger. I know. I gave Joker a seven. Get over it. <laughs> I really I feel. Hear. I really feel comfortable giving this a seven. I think it mm-hmm. deserves it. I think there's a lot of great here. Um. I think there's a lot of potential for what could be a wonderful sequel. Yeah. So I agree. So, I mean, this movie is a, it's just a tad too long for a kid's movie. And I say that as a father who watches with his two kids and his four year old was being a menace by, you know, about an hour and a half into it. So just a hair too long. You can shave some stuff off this for a kid's movie and then just a little bit lack of follow through. But overall, this movie is good. There's a, there's a, there's a great message in the movie. If you're looking for that, it's fun. It's colorful. Very, very hard color contrast with the blue water and the red beast and everything else happening between. This movie is a seven is a seven and a half for me. It's a good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you gave it that seven yeah, and a half. Very it's, glad. A, it, it's a good kids movie. I will watch this again with my kids. This is a fun one. The voice acting is fantastic, and the movie is easy to follow. There's not. You don't have to. Even though the movie does have have a slowdown part in it, there's a lot of there's a lot happening in that slowdown that the movie is easy to follow, whether you're paying attention the whole time, whether you're, you're doing stuff with your family in the background and peeking back at the TV when things are picking up. It's just a pretty easy watch. And I'm, I'm really excited to see Netflix do more with it. I, sh- I sure hope they do. Your kids are going ham wild. Kids, <laughs> let me tell you. Oh, yeah. um, and it'd be interesting because you're in a, you're in a rare position too, where you have two girls that are separate ages, but also the four year old, I think that's your youngest, right? I think it's four. Yeah. She's four. Um, you know, she was kind of, but in, in, in her defense, there's a, there's, there's, there's a chunk of this movie that does kind of drag. I think if you're not like, if you're a kid and you're always wanting some stimulation, I get that. But, It'd be interesting to, to, I mean, she watched it. It'd be interesting to have her in a few years watch it again yeah. and see and see see what she gets out of it. I'm well, sure she, your younger one and your older one got very different experience out of this movie. She's also had, they've both had three to four showings of it now. So, like, they know the movie now, so they're a little less enthralled by it. You know, my seven-year-old, she, we, we, we laid there and watched it the whole time together. You know what I mean? It's, it, it's, just, it's a pretty good kids movie. Good. That's That, that makes me happy. It makes me happy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we scored it where we did. I was worried that you were going to give it a five or a six or four. Or <laughs> yeah, four and a half. Four and a half. Two and a half. Two. No, this is. I think this is easily on on the upside of the scale, somewhere in the mid. You know, anywhere from I could see an, I can see an argument for anywhere from six to eight. I, I could see an argument for 
mm-hmm. uh, but definitely room to grow, and that's a, that's important because most movies we watch oh, yeah. have zero room to grow. I'll be excited to see Sea Beast two come in at another seven and a half or improve at an eight. You know, after we watch I the mean, next one, Netflix needs some wins with with their with their clientele base right now, and with the, they 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 need some good reasons to have Netflix, and I think this is one of them. So, yeah, I agree. Very excited, very excited, Chris. Well, thank you for joining me this evening, Chris. Oh, no problem. I always enjoy our episodes. Also, just a little tease for those of you listening: Chris and I are concocting an episode for the first three X Men movies. Yeah, so really excited about that. I just watched. Uh, I just watched the first one. I'm gonna watch the second and third one here. Uh, I think over the weekend or this week, and then we will mm-hmm. uh, do the video or the, we'll do the episode. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about it with you, Chris, because I'm now after knowing you how long I have and rewatching these, I can o- I can almost see kind of your talking points. Oh, all right. And I'm, I'm, re- I'm really excited, and they're going to be very different from mine. So I'm oh, yeah. very. Oh, yeah. The stark contrast of you and me and X Men is, is, is going to be it's going to be a good conversation. So. I just can't wait to watch one of my childhood dreams come true when I rewatch the first one. I can't wait to just just trash the third one along with the rest of the X Men fan base, and I can't wait to have weird erections for Hugh Jackman as Wolverine in the second <laughs> one. It's just it's going to be a great couple of movies, man. Wolverine or uh, Hugh Jackman, if you want to come on the show and talk about X Men. <laughs> specifically and only about my weird erections though. there's got it you, you give chris a weird man boner yeah it's good it's good um good 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 you have a weird hugh jackman boner chris i like the i mean look we all do i mean come on Spe- hugh, specifically wolverine hugh jackman but it's hugh jackman is a hell of a guy hell of a he guy. Is. <laughs> all right this has this has been episode 288 b of for the love of cinema each new episode posts every tuesday and friday on the podcast service of your choice of the following five Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. Please leave a comment or two, rate, subscribe. Every little bit helps. More importantly, thank you very much for listening. Check out the show on Twitter, at Love Cinema Pod. I am at Grayson Maxwell One. Roger is at Rog Stillian. And I have no Twitter. Don't forget to check us out on the Facebook page. Always posting things on our social media. Send us an email to for the love of cinema podcast at gmail.com. And next week, we're going to be looking at <clears throat> The Gray Man. I'm not sure what else either. Or, oh, nope. I don't know why I didn't write that. The Gray Man and Nope. Yeah. So one Netflix, one theatrical. Yep. Which I have to go see Nope already. I cannot wait to finally talk about that movie. Well, I just can't wait. To, I just can't wait to stop seeing the damn trailer. Yeah, well, here, here we go. All right. Have, have a good night, everyone.